Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast, presented by Fox Racing. Of course, BTOsports.com, the nation's, nation's leading retailer for anything you need for your bike or body or OEM parts. Use the code PulpMX to save yourself some money. And uh, Fox Racing, 2015 stuff out now, foxhead.com. Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon, just some of the guys that wear Fox and uh, award-winning uh, products from the Instinct Boot to the V3 Motocross helmet with MIPS technology. MIPS, it's got MIPS, folks. And uh, BTOsports.com. All right, let's get this started. I'm your host, Steve Mathis, as usual. With me on the line to uh, talk about the 2015 bikes. That's right. If you're on the fence, you're not sure what you want to buy, you want to figure out which bikes are which and which ones work and, and uh, this and that and which ones are best, which ones are the worst, these two guys have probably ridden them all. And if they haven't ridden the 2015, they probably rode last year's. And they can uh, talk about bikes on a, on a whole new level than uh, you or I or anyone. So let's with that, let's welcome uh, RacerX Online Zone, David Pingree. Hi. Hi. You, I'm curious if, uh, if Fox's MIPS technology, is that like MIPS? Is that short for nipples? Uh, no, M. M is in Mary. MIPS. Yeah, I know. Oh. Mipples? Oh. Mipples. No, no man. No, it's technology in their helmet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, Pingree, you uh, you're just coming back from it. Talk about timing. You were coming back from riding the 2015 RMZ 250F. I'm literally driving home from that right now. Wow, fantastic! So right on the right on your brain. Um, also on the line, DirtRider.com, former tester extraordinaire for um, well, not former, current tester extraordinaire for Dirt Rider and uh, Pulp Mech Show co-host. The Chris Kiefer. Kiefer, what's up? Hey, boys. How are you guys doing? Now, um, Kiefer, just to be clear to everybody, we're not talking about big bores and their effects on pro racing. Yeah, no, no, no. None of that, none of that on this show. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Okay. And also, too, Ping, it's, it's nips, and there's little tiny areolas inside the, in the helmet. That's how the new style is. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Um, hey, look, so... Together. Okay, let's start off with the 2015 RMZ250 because Ping's coming over, and Kiefer, you've already ridden it. But uh, what's new, Ping? What's what's good on the bike? What's what's new and exciting? Suzuki is kind of in a rut. Yeah, you know they're uh, they need a they need something to uh, kind of get their poop in a group over there. No, no 250 <laughs> Pro program. Uh, the 450 team is. I would say in limbo, pretty hard at the moment. <laughs> so, uh, 
don't go look into the RMZ 250 for a bunch of new exciting things because literally it is different colored seat. A couple of the, uh, you know, ancillary plastic pieces on it have gone from white to black. Yeah, there and there is there's bold new graphics. They're back in black. They were back in white. They were back in white last year. Now they're back in black. Yeah, that's it. Uh, still though, great bike. I really like the Suzuki 250. Um, turns, you know, like a Suzuki always does, just like it's on a rail. Really comfortable for me, just jumping on it. I I, I can get on and just go. The motor's, you know, solid. It's not amazing, but doesn't do anything bad and. It's a great bike. I just, you know, they're they're kind of falling behind when you, now that you've got Yamaha really stepping up and making improvements. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know, you, you can't sit idle too long before you start to really fall in the back of the pack. Ask Yamaha about that. Well, Kiefer, one thing about the Suzukis, and they haven't changed much over the year, but both bikes are pretty solid platforms. Yeah, you know, they, and actually when you look at other shootouts, you know, magazine shootouts, they do pretty well, even though they don't change. But things right, like. I think Suzuki's in the boat where Yamaha was a couple of years ago where they need to start doing something or else their sales are going to suffer. But for me, like, I still like it like Ping does. I like it because it's uh, it's an all-around good package. You feel good on it. And uh, it's more of a bottom-to-mid type of motor. has lots of bottom-to-mid and kind of signs off early on top. But mm-hmm. agile in the air, it turns great. There's probably nothing that turns better than a Suzuki. So. Would you agree with that, Ping, the turning? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing. Uh, I think Aaron Hansel did this. There was no 250Fs, Suzuki 250Fs, who scored one point at any of the 12 Nationals this year. Not one guy. Which, wow. I mean, you can talk, You can we can debate the merits of win on Sunday, win on Saturday, sell on Monday. We can debate that all day long, uh, whether that works or not. But you have to think, Ping, that not having any bikes out there is not a good thing for sales. Yeah, they, you know, they want, they used to, I know they're counting, you know, how many bikes are in the main event, that, that brand recognition is important to all of them. And when their amateur program has been basically just completely wiped off the map, there's no pros riding their bikes, you're literally hanging your hopes on James Stewart. Uh, that's a risky proposition. Mm-hmm. And, um, I know they've gone through this reorganization and there's some financial issues over there, but man, they've got to put something together and um, start rebuilding. Cause it's, it's, I don't know. I, it, it, the whole thing is confusing. Like you said, the, the, the race on Saturday or win on Saturday, saw on Monday. I mean, Ricky, how many championships and races did Suzuki win mm-hmm. through Ricky's era? And then even re jumping on and win and all that Dungy. I don't think it, it moved the needle too much for Suzuki. No, you know, I, I don't think, think so either. If you're a Suzuki fan, you buy it. Yeah. If you're not, you don't. And I think also the presence of the Nationals are not there like it used to be. And Ricky was on the team, too. It was a factory team, and they had more you know people out there. Now it's kind of like the James team. And who wants to go walk over there and ask for a part if you're riding a Suzuki? Because you'll probably just get shunned away. So. I don't know about that. Mike Webb's a pretty good guy. I don't think he'd shun you. Yeah, but if you're on 250, they're not going to tenth they're not No, gonna they're going to ha- they're going to have anything, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, now I haven't ridden any of these bikes, to no one's surprise. So I'm leaning on you guys. But wait a minute here, did the Suzuki 2015 Suzuki does it not have the triple air fork? The 450 does. Oh, 450 only. Okay, all right. So that's new on the 450. The 450 had a handful of changes. Um, you know, ECU settings, a little uh, change in the starters, and different things like that. Mm-hmm. 
but obviously the big change was the triple air chamber show fork. Right, right. And yeah, the 250 just has a standard SFF fork. All right. Um, let's divert a little bit into the air fork talk. Uh, that's a good place to go. Uh, we've talked about this on the Pulp Show a little bit. I'm not sure, like, with the triple air, now you have another thing to check, correct? You have another chamber right. to check air pressure. I'm not, yep. co- I'm not confident. You have a couple more. Yeah. I'm not confident people can check the one air chamber because I had buddies who raced who never checked their sag. That's true. Um, I'm not so sure air forks. I mean, they're trying to get us to buy the bikes. They're trying to market something. The bikes are damn fast enough as it is. So, you know, you got to look for other things. So it is a marketing ploy a little bit, but Ping, I'll start with you. I don't know if this air fork is a good idea or not. No, and you know, it's funny. I, I talk to the show guys, okay, and everyone's got a, a bias here, and they're, they're pushing their side of it. But, you know, they're saying, look, it's lighter. It gives you all, all this adjustability where you can really fine-tune it for each rider, and, you know, you can essentially change fork springs without ever taking anything apart. You just put air in, take it out. So it's like, okay, well, you know, that's nice. That's a good sell. Mm-hmm. And then you talk to the Yamaha guys, and their their bikes have stuck with the traditional spring fork, mm-hmm. you know, the triple S fork that they have, the KYB. And, yeah. Um, and I say, why are all the manufacturers going to air fork? Why this big right. push to that? And they say, well, because anytime a manufacturer can can say, look, we can buy this product that's lighter, two pounds lighter, and it's cheaper to manufacture. I mean, that's those guys are doing backflips over there. Right, you know, right. Making it actually work or it being a step forward <laughs> is almost a secondary. Secondary. It's like, right. We are going to take weight off this bike and save money. Uh, yes. <laughs> right. We'll buy them. We will take 10,000 of those. Right. right so, you know, there's, there's a lot of things, uh, problems you run into at that fork because you've got the air pressure sitting on the slider. There's a lot of stiction. You know, you can walk up and just push down on the front fender, and it's really hard to get them to even move. Mm-hmm. You know, to get that initial cush that you would have with a spring fork, it's it's different, you know, and, and the feel is a lot different, and you're hearing a lot of complaints from guys. Um, some guys get it to work and like it. You'll hear people say, oh, the, the front-end traction is great. It's improved the front-end traction. I mean, I, I think, and, and you know, what, what Kennard's been saying about feel, he finally just has a feel that he likes. I think it's more about finding a feel that you like. And some guys may be okay with that Air Force feel. Because for me, I, I go from the spring to that, and, and it's different. I can't really explain to you. It's hard for me to explain in words what the feel is that's different. Like, to describe that feel, it just feels different. And I don't – after riding Yamaha's 450 last this past – this week, actually, I'm just more convinced that, man, I really like the feel of the spring fork better. I think I – think uh, It just – I think we can take that same answer and put it, put last year's podcast in it, Ping. You're, you're taking a while to come around. Well, you know, I I, I didn't know much about this triple air chamber fork, mm-hmm. and I, I really took some time to get to know how it works and fiddle around with it. And, and like you said, you, you have three chambers now. Like, literally, every time you go ride, you're going to have to, first of all, know what air pressures you like. Okay, so go out and mess with it enough that you go, okay, I like this much in this one and this one, you know, right. here's all my pressures that I like. This is yeah. a good starting point for me. Then every time you ride, you've got to check each one of them, adjust them if they're off, which they probably will be. Um, really? I mean, that's a pain in the ass. I, I, maybe I'm just an old fart. I just want to get on and ride. You know, I want to put yeah, gas well, in it. Maybe I clean the filter. I don't know, but 
having to adjust so three air pressures every time I ride. I think it's cool as crap. Plus, plus well, tire the, pressure. I mean, good grief. <laughs> the thing is, too, is like like you said, you, you get a setting for each track. And when you're at the track, that setting could be good early in the day. But the downside for me is with the fork, it, it, it constantly changes throughout the day. You never have the a same feeling that you have does it really, you know, when you start it out. Does it really build Versus up that much? For it's pretty consistent. Does it really build up that much pressure, Kiefer? Um, it doesn't build up a huge amount of pressure, but you got to remember, like, one to two pounds is a huge difference in feeling on the mm-hmm. track. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a, that's yeah, a when huge two, thing. Two pounds is a spring rate, right? Right. So and, it doesn't take... You know, two pounds can build up pretty, mm-hmm. pretty easily. It's reasonable to think that you could change that much in a day, from morning when it's cold to afternoon when it's hot. And if you don't continue to check it, now you're running a, a spring rate that's one size heavier than what you started with. And the thing too, you got to remember with the triple air chamber, um, the outside chamber guys really aren't going to screw with that outside chamber PSI as much as they will the inner chamber and the balance chamber. Mm-hmm. Those two chambers are mostly what you're going to be screwing with when you're at the track. And the Kawasaki is the only manufacturer that actually has, you know, pressure in the outside chamber. Um, Suzuki and Honda has an atmospheric pressure or zero PSI. They don't use pressure in the outside, in the outside chamber for whatever reason. So, mm-hmm. um, it's just it, once you learn. I think once you learn how to to work with it, it's not as complex. But the, for the guy, just obviously, hey, I'm going to go buy a bike and I got to go screw with this. It's kind of scary, you know. Well, like I said, I literally have buddies who've never checked their sag. I mean, that's true. You know, like I'm not so sure. Like the average motocrosser, you need to add this to them. Uh, just speaking from air forks, is the triple air fork better than the last year's air fork that was on Honda and uh, Cowie? Yes, I would think it's a better direction, mm-hmm. as you know, as far as you're going. But uh, you know, it still it still has the same things that I didn't like as last year. It's still inconsistent, and to me, that's what what I need when I ride. I need comfort and consistency. Otherwise, you're just you know, kind of shooting in the dark. What do you think, Ping? Is the triple air better than the other, the older, just air? I, I think that it is. Yeah, I, I had a problem always keeping last year's forks up high enough in the stroke where mm-hmm. it. Um, it didn't dive if I was grabbing too much front brake or grabbing a lot of front brake, it wouldn't dive down in. Once I got it to where it would stand up, then it felt too rigid. I could never find kind of that sweet spot. And this fork, it gives you a lot more um, of kind of room there in the middle to find the way you like that feel. Because, you know, you can also adjust compression clickers. Yeah. So you can get it sitting up where you want, find a pressure that's pretty good, and then and then work on that a uh, little bit of chop you know that little bit of feel with clickers with your compression clickers so i would say this is definitely better performance wise than what they had last year and and to go back to what keeper was saying about uh that outer chamber as it was explained to me by the show guy like honda doesn't even come with a valve to be able to adjust it right so if you want to adjust that outer chamber you're going to have to put a straighter valve in mm-hmm. uh, and the show guy said if i'm buying this bike the first thing i do is go find a straighter valve and put it in that fork so i can have that adjustment. He said, it's, it's, if you're really trying to get this fork to work right, that's a, a critical component. You know, you're, you're giving up a bunch of adjustability. Hold on. The, the sh- manufacturers. The show guy's telling you that about the, the bike that they put the forks on, about their own fork. <laughs> yeah, but I think Honda well, because it was, it was day. Honda's, yeah, it was their recommendation. They said, we don't, first of all, we want the uh, triple chamber to be internal. Mm-hmm. They want it in the left side, and we do not want a valve. Put on that outer chamber that was all honda specs mm-hmm. so they actually built a fork 
a triple air chamber fork specifically for Honda. Oh, yeah. Okay. It looks different than what you're going to see on the Cowie and the Suzuki. Right. And, so, and I think Honda, what they're trying to achieve right there is they're trying to take all the variable, you know, more variables out for the consumer. So. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what people are – that's the first thing I'll say is, well, what if I get a nick in my slider and I lose all my air pressure? Now I, I DNF the moto. No, you don't DNF the moto. I mean, the fork will still hold up enough for you to ride it. The feel is going to change a little bit, but it's not like you're going to hit a jump and go flying over the bars, you know. So yeah. um, they're trying it's, – it's a liability thing for them and a reliability thing. That's why they're recommending no pressure in the outer chamber. Hmm. But like I said, if you're really trying to get the most out of that fork, you need to be able to get to that adjustability. Interesting debate. I know, like, on the pro racing side, Eli Tomac went back to a spring fork. Uh, Chad Reed wouldn't put Showa air forks on his Honda if you paid him a million dollars when he rode them. Trey Kennard switched from Showa to KYB. Cowie switched from KYB to Showa air. It (laughs) seems like, you know, you need a, a little bit of a diagram to keep track of it. But there's one thing for sure. If you're a suspension geek, engineer, you look at the dyno reading of a triple air fork and you just fall in love with it. There's no hitches when the spring when the springs take over. It's a smooth linear graph all the way from the bottom to the top because of the, the air chambers monitoring everything. You fall in love with the fork on the dyno, but then you get it out to the track, and I think that's where some guys who have ridden spring forks for, you know, 15, 20 years and I think when you get on the track, the, the dyno graphs don't necessarily translate to what your the riders are saying about it. Well, it also, too, it goes back, you know, I've test rode a long time, and you work with engineers, and they live off of dyno, but, and some of those guys that are dyno geeks are not riders, and mm-hmm. you, try to, you try to come back and tell them, hey, the bike's doing this. They're like, well, look at the dyno. Well, I'm, I'm not a freaking dyno. I'm a, I'm a rider, so it, it comes off different. Unless you're literally dyno Dan. Exactly. <laughs> then you're then you can say I'm a dino. Um so okay, so let me ask you this, Ping. If you designed Ping Tornado motorcycles, do you put an air fork on it or not? I will say this. I think it's smart of Yamaha to hold back. Right. They have a fork that works really well. Mm-hmm. Um I think there's enough backlash on the air fork deal right now that people are are hesitant at best mm-hmm. um, and completely oblivious uh, at, at the worst. And so <laughs> I think what Yamaha has done is, is go, hey, let's just pump the brakes for a sec. You know, we have a fork that works fine. Let's keep, you know, let's just do what we're doing. Let those guys, mm-hmm. you know, go through all the growing pains. And if it starts working better, we'll look at it. Right. Uh, that would probably be the route I would take. I think what they're doing is pretty smart. What do you think, Kiefer? Did you put an air well, fork on a bike? No, like I, I try to buy a bike every year just to use for the year. And I bought a Honda 450, and I actually went on Craigslist and went and purchased a, a set of spring forks just for the reasoned more comfort, more mm-hmm. feeling for me. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm a good candidate for a spring fork. I just think it's, it works better for me, not just because I'm old school. I just think it works better on the track. Mm-hmm. The one thing that the air fork does do good is when you ride more aggressive, it, it works better. Like, if you overjump a landing or you land a big chuck hole or something, it, it soaks up that in-stroke a lot better than a spring fork does. But everywhere else, for me, is a spring fork is better. Hmm. And, Ping, no complaints with, from what I hear, no complaints with the SSS KYB fork, right? Good fork. Good fork. Yeah, really good fork. Yeah. 
Good fork. Good fork. <laughs> great fork. Great fork. Uh, fork is so great. Uh, Kiefer, you agree? The the KY. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah, it's better. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting to see. All right, we haven't. You guys have not ridden the CRF 450. That launch is in a couple of weeks, and we couldn't get all three of us together to do it. So we're we're proceeding on without really riding without riding the uh, 2015 CRF 450. But so we talked about Suzuki a little bit. Um, I want to go right into the Yamaha. This thing went from basically the the next door neighbor girl that you never looked at, you know, a few pounds overweight, never puts any makeup on, you kind of ignore her a little bit, and all of a sudden she, whatever, she gets exercising, she starts putting some makeup on, she gets some fake boobs, and now you are checking yeah. her out. Like this bike, yeah. there, there isn't ping, there isn't a bigger change in motorcycles from a 2014 or 2013 to a 2014 YZF250. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, especially with with as as great as that bike showed all summer long, man. If you're not if you're not looking at that thing, uh, I don't know. You're not paying attention, right? Um, is it is the backwards motor? Yeah, you know, in, it's sort of a, the injector sits right on top of the cylinder, shoots right down, gravity fed into it. Um, the air box is up front, so you're getting a, a clean a bunch of clean air and a lot of it coming in. Is that the reason why it's so fast, Kiefer? No, I, I don't know the reason why. I think, well, they went back to a, a four-valve head, too. I think that kind of helps them. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as just a, a pure excitement 250F, that thing rips out of the box. Like, I'll let people just ride it. You know, here, try this out. And they're like, they, they're amazed how, how fast that bike is stock. And, mm-hmm. and I'm a bigger guy at, like, 170, and I'm not a huge fan of riding 250s but when i ride that bike it seems to i don't really think that i'm riding 250f it has, has a lot of torque um it has a lot of power to get you out of an inside corner to jump a jump and i think even some of the older vet guys that are lazier riders are looking towards that bike now just because that's how good of a torque curve it has hmm. ping there's uh there's no doubt that the bike's proven that it's pretty good now uh from where it used to be um do you think that, uh, uh, you know how people talked about the 450 Yamaha when it first came out with that design? It had some flaws. It, it, we talked about it on one of these podcasts. Handled kind of weird, felt kind of big. There really wasn't any issues with the first generation 250F, was there? No. You know, and it seems like any time handling is an issue with a new bike, you go down to the 250 and just the the lower horsepower, lighter weight, it seems like it gets rid of a lot of those issues mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. You know, even when Honda came out and that bike, the 09, was so weird, when the 250 went to that design, it, you didn't have any of those negative characteristics that people um, thought that the 450 had. So I think I think the Yamaha is the same way, you know, that mm-hmm. the motor is clearly a good design. I mean, uh, the 450 is a rocket ship. The JGR bikes are arguably the quickest motorcycles on the track at professional racing events. Uh, the star Yamaha bikes now are, are following suit. So there's something to that engine design, and, and you could probably speak to that better than we could. Um, but there's something that works, and they figured something out there. On the handling side of things, I think the 450 still has some of those characteristics if you're not careful. Like I noticed just riding it, if you, uh, if you, if the rear end gets too tall, Mm-hmm. That thing gets really, really nervous. Um, when I 
went out and my sag wasn't right, uh, it was sketched. And then you get the sag ride, and I opened up my high-speed compression a little bit to get the back end to sag down a little more. And I kind of like my back on my bike to squat more than maybe some people would anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just noticed that calmed it down. Once the rear end get, can get planted, the handling isn't a problem with that motorcycle. If you start to get the rear end too high, hang on. This is on the 450 you're talking about. That's on the 450. Yeah. yeah. Like I going to your question, I, I don't think any of that translates <laughs> down to the 250. I don't know if it's, like I said, lighter weight, less power. Hey, our 1998 FMF Honda 125s were the best handling motorcycle I've ever ridden. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, though, because they made the same amount of horsepower as, a, like, a good blender. Right, right. Yeah, true, right? That is true. You have more power, more anything, problem, and right? it changes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, they didn't change much for 2015, did they, Kiefer? Yamaha. No, they have some Zeus fasteners with the black rims. The 250 literally has less changes than the 450 does because, you know, yeah, it was, it was a brand-new new bike in right. 2014, so they didn't change much, just like cosmetic things. Okay, Kiefer, Honda, Honda 250F. Um, it's a, it's a little stink bug for me. It's like it's a great bike, kind of going back to what we are talking about. handles pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels really lazy off the bottom end. It, it kind of rolls on smooth, doesn't do anything exciting, but once in the mid-range, it kind of picks up and has a pretty good mid-range feel. And top end pulls really good on top end. Um, I actually do like the air fork on the Honda, maybe because, you know, like we're going back to what we're saying, it's a little less horsepower and it's easier to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it once again, it's just like a Honda. It feels good when you hop on it. Um, you get comfortable right away. I just think Honda needs to do something a little bit with their motor situation now that Yamaha's picked it up. It just feels like a lazy-feeling 250F. Okay. Uh, what do you think, Ping? Yeah, I, I really liked the Honda 250 when we rode it this year. Um, didn't have any issues with the fork. We, you know, a lot of times, though, it's hard when we go to these intros. The tracks are prepped perfectly, which is great. It's a lot of fun, but when you're trying to you know, feel out a new fork or, or the new chassis changes on a bike, it's like, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how are you going to be able to tell exactly how the suspension's working when it's smooth as a freeway? And then you get off the uh, bike and there's Starbucks and Fluffer Girls and you're like, this bike's awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you know, someone's washing your goggles, you're getting a handy. It's like, right. it's like really good. <laughs> yeah, it's good job, Yamaha. I want to go to that. Where's that intro at? I haven't been to one of those yet. <laughs> That was the tornado intro you missed. <laughs> anyway, um, no, I, I really like it. You know, some of the stuff, This uh, maybe I'm being a cynic, but, you know, they've got the deal where you can now push a button and change from one mm-hmm. setting to another on your on your mapping. And it's like one's a harder setting for sand or supposed to be more aggressive, and the other one's like a soft one for mud or slippery conditions. I think it's gimmicky. Like I'm just not into it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I didn't find either one of them to be anything I'd use. You can get the, uh, you know, their little programmer and put your own settings into it, mm-hmm. which maybe that would be something that if you're a total tech geek and you have that kind of capability, that would be something you would do. You know, maybe have two or three different curves you like, and you could plug those in and be able to bounce around. That might be a nice feature. Right. But um, in stock trim, the way they sell it, I was like. No one's going to use this. <laughs> what do you think, Kiefer, of those uh, those curves and Actually, things like that? I, I kind of disagree. Like, I felt a difference in that, and that's what's cool about the Honda. The other bike's just like more like a launch control mode. This was actually something you could use around the whole track and, 
and keep that map. Um, when we did the intro, we were up at Comp Edge, you know, it's like 3,000 feet above sea level, and I kept it on the aggressive mode just for the fact, like I said, I wanted some more bottom end and mid-range, and I felt like I got that with that mode, and it shortened up the top end a little bit, but like what Ping said, unless you're really picky or touchy on a motorcycle and, you, and you're really in tune with the bike, mm-hmm. chances are, you know, the normal... 15, 16-year-old kid's not going to notice it when he gets the bike, you know, riding a 250F, but right. you get another guy that's, you know, it's picky about his dirt bike, he'll, he'll feel it, but it's just not something that's a day and night difference, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Cowie 250F, what do you think, Kiefer? Cowie's good, man. Uh, strong motor, once again, that's really good bottom to mid. Um, they actually stretched out the top end this year a little bit, it felt like. Like, it, it fell off short last year, but mm-hmm. this year it seems like it pulled a little bit farther. Um, personally, I'm not a huge fan of an SFF fork. It, it kind of feels, uh, rigid up front and mid stroke is a little bit harsh. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard. It's really hard to beat a Cowie 250F, man. It's close to in horsepower to the Yamaha. Yeah. Um, Cowie... maybe just not as much bottom end as it. The Cowie 250F is single sided fork, single function right. fork. So the spring is in one side and the oil and valving's in the other. Correct. Right, just for people who want to know. Ping, yeah. do, do you – Ping, do, Cowie's big thing is adjustability. Pegs, bar mounts uh, – maybe I'm missing something, but pegs and bar mounts can be moved around. They've got like a 14-curve ignition switch on the handlebar, which I'm sure you're going to love. But is that is that something that's that's like real, the adjustability? I think so. I mean, you know, these, these guys are all – like the, I would have always argued that the Honda and Suzuki are kind of built for a smaller guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the cockpit where the bars, seat, and, and pegs all sit just feels comfortable to someone who's shorter. Where like a Cowie, um, Yamaha, KTM would have been for like a bigger guy. I mean, there, there's certain bikes just based on where they put those numbers at, they'll feel right. more comfortable. So a shorter guy, like for me, I never liked the Cowie. I, it just always felt tall. It always felt long. I could never get, I mean, I would have had to really do a lot of work on it to get mm-hmm. comfortable. Yep. So now it comes kind of in a shorter position. So a taller guy would actually want to, you know, drop the pegs and put the bars forward. So it's comfortable to me all of a sudden, but a taller guy could still jump on it and get comfortable. So I, I really like that adjustability. I thought that was something that was practical. It's not a gimmick, just trying to like throw something shiny on there that will, so, uh, you know, sell bikes to people. So after the handy, that Cowie adjusted it just for you. Mm. They, I mean, well, or was that how it comes? Like, I'm, I'm, did Cali... I am, no, 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 it comes like that. Oh. I, I imagine it's, you know, this team of Japanese. So, I have a question. So, when you ride it later in the year, do you actually mess with it? Do I take it to like the other settings? Yeah. No, I mean, it's comfortable to me. Well, unless he grows. As far as back and pegs up. Well, Ping, later on in the year, when you grow three or four inches, do you then put it back? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when I hit puberty and grow, I can try that. <laughs> That's interesting, we'll though, see. Ping, that you said you directly thought the Cowies didn't suit you because you're a smaller guy, and now with these adjustments, they do. So that sounds like that is a positive thing that they've done, the green guys. That's what I would. That's what I would suggest. Mm. I think it's it's more it's 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 a better like you're saying adjustability, like with the air fork. I think it's better with going with ergonomics adjustability than in the air fork. I think. Air Fork just saves everybody money, and 
they can pitch the price like, hey, MSRP is the same price, but you're right. getting something better. If we didn't have air forks, so Kiefer, what would the manufacturers, you know, tout every year in the last three, four, five years? I mean, Yamaha yeah. had their design, but other than that, I mean, y- Honda went all well, new in like '09 or whatever. But you know, they they and Kiefer, maybe you can speak to what you've heard from your inner circles. But you know, I I was talking to some Honda engineers who said we've got some really cool stuff that would really boost the way these bikes perform, but it's gonna it would cost a lot of money to implement them. Mm. So the brakes have been pumped because uh, Honda Honda brass or whoever manages that division has said, look, we've kind of hit a ceiling with price. Yeah. We, we raise the price on these bikes anymore. We're, you know, it's, we're going to stop selling bikes. We've already have mm-hmm. really lowered our numbers or whatever. So I think that's part of why this air fork's coming around. It's like, okay, here's a change we can make. Yeah. That'll save weight and save money. Yeah. Like you said, you right. Know? Right. Um, yeah. and, and you know, I, you got to put something new on it, right? Like you said, I mean, Americans, especially we're, well, we want the newest, yeah. best, shiny thing. I admire Suzuki. A few years ago, their number two thing on their new bike launch was imp- uh, improved graphics. Like literally, <laughs> the num- the number two thing was bold new graphics with you know they're tougher, they'll last longer. I was I like, wow, that. that's ballsy. That's just coming right out and being like, look, we got nothing. We that's got probably not what that PR guy's not there anymore. Um, okay, two fi- KTM two fifty F. Anyone? Yeah, I got something for you. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of the KTM 250F. Unlike the bigger bike, mm-hmm. it's uh, really doggish, slow off the bottom. The mid, you really got to ride that bike hard to make it work. On top, it rips, man. That thing will haul ass on top, but it's the, all the work you got to get to to that point. You know that it kind of sucks. Um, handling wise, straight line stuff's really good on the KTM. It's just when you have to chop the throttle and get into a corner, that fork, mm-hmm. the four CS fork is a better direction than their last year's or the previous year's fork, but you still don't get a really comfortable feeling up front. And it always feels like the front end rides high and mm-hmm. you never really get a good front end bite in corners. Um, they really need to, to work on their 250F for next year because um, it it's nothing like the big bike. The, the big bike rips ass and, Right. It's great, but the 250 struggles a little bit. Hmm. And Ping, you haven't ridden one yet, right? I haven't ridden any new KTM's. Right. Their uh, marketing department over there is just slaying it. Well, they're they're not happy with you because what happened? You did something. Oh well. What'd you I do? I a bike two, <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> I forgot. Raced Mammoth, but... and I only raced one day. <laughs> Apparently, this is a big issue. <laughs> they're angry. Very angry at David Pingry. <laughs> um, I made I made Tom Moen smile a couple times. And I've been around ten years, so he's a good dude. He's just tough to crack. Oh uh, yeah, I don't no. think I, I don't think I made him smile in the two years that I wrote, worked there, ever. It's very angry. Um, so out of the two fifties that you have ridden, Ping, which is the best one? I mean, we haven't done the race Rex shootout yet, but off the top of your head, just kind of going with it, what do you think? Um, you know, I don't. I don't even really want to. I don't even want to offer up an opinion right now because it, until you ride them back to back, okay. it's really hard to say. Okay. I mean, I would, I would tell you, um, having ridden the 14 KTM 250, I can kind of agree with what Keeper's saying on that one, the way the engine feels. Mm-hmm. 
so for me, I know the, the Cowie, the Honda, and the Suzuki, and the Yamaha are all going to be good. It's more like what bike suits you better, you know? Mm-hmm. So. All right, Kiefer, you want to give us uh, Dirt Rider? Hasn't done their shootout yet either, but off top of your yeah, head. Yeah, we're going to do our 250F shootout first this year instead of 450. Right, here, here we Honda's go. Late, but, all right. Well, neither um, one of you will put it out there. No, I'm going to put it out there. I like the Yamaha the best. For me, it's it's hard to beat a YZ250F. And, mm-hmm. and in the 250F class, a motor is a huge part of whoever wins. If you have right. a good motor and it's fast, um, you have a very good chance of scoring the top spot. Cowie's, for me, a close second. Um, but the Yamaha hauls ass. It handles good. And it has a spring fork that I like. So for me, I would choose YZ250F already. Hmm. All right. Um, what do you guys got to say? One thing I hear, uh, complaints about with magazine shootouts, uh, or the, the racer X online shootouts or whatever. And I'm not sure. No. Well, yeah, we can cover that too. You're also biased, but, um, ping, uh, you and Kiefer are on the upper 10% of riders in the world. Like, I mean, I hate to, you know, blow smoke up your butt, but probably, you know what I mean? You're both race pro at high levels and you're both great riders. How do you know how a bike feels for the other 90% of the world? Well, I give this same analogy every time somebody brings okay. that up to me. And I, I say, look, if I was wanting to know how a couple of, you know, I had five cars and I want to know how, how they performed. Uh, would you have some jackass Asian lady go drive them all for you? Or would you get Jeff Gordon to go step in and drive them and go, you know what? I mean, who's going to be able to speak to what those cars do and can do and can't do better? Right. Huh? I like I it. I would argue Jeff Gordon would have a little bit better. <laughs> I would know. I would pick Jeff Gordon. I really would over an Asian lady. Yes. I mean, look, <laughs> that's a little racial and everything else. And I know that, but I'm just saying. Nips. <laughs> okay. uh, I have something to add to that. I think Ping, I like what Ping said, too. And, and also, too. Me, I was a racer, but I was kind of grown up as a test guy. I mean, that was my job, and then I raced. Basically, I wasn't going to be no Travis Preston and retire and have donkeys and just live on the desert. But <laughs> I, I, once you, you become a test rider, you have to have that in the back of your mind. Hey, I have to kind of set this up for, like you said, most of the world. So mm-hmm. you're not going to go out there and haul ass and float the valves and rev the crap out of it and say, oh, it sucks here and does this there, but... You have to know in the back of your mind as a test rider, hey, this is good for the average guy. This will be great for the average guy towards the upper, you know, mm-hmm. faster type of person. Um, it okay. just depends on your test rider. There's some really good test riders that I respect out there. And it just you have to have the knowledge to know how you're going to set up a bike. And I think the manufacturers are only as good as their test riders. You know, you only give so much feedback. And if you can't give feedback then the bike's going to suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay. I think it's just like you said, Jeff Gordon or the Asian lady, you need someone with clout. And I think a lot of people out there will respect the guy. They'll be like, hey, here's a deal. You know, this bike does this, this, and this. But if you're a bigger guy, it might not do that as great. So mm-hmm. there's a wide spectrum you have to kind of nail. And kind of going off to your other other reason was like, people always tell me, oh, you chose this because they advertise in your magazine or Mm-hmm. Or you do this and that, and and I can vouch, you know, for probably for Ping too. It's just like we don't when we do our tests, we don't talk to anyone else. We kind of fill out our forms, and then all the forms come back, and I usually go through them, or Dennison goes through them, and 
we kind of weigh everything out afterwards. We don't even talk to one another to, to decide, you know, which one's better or who's advertising what month. Or, mm-hmm. You know, we just basically say it how, how it is. If the bike's good, it's good. And if it's not, it's, it's not. I mean, you can't say the bike's shit, but you can kind of get around to the point where people are kind of get the drift. And don't you think, Ping? I think Ping, yeah. I, th- I think Racer actually probably want Ping to probably be a little bit more politically correct at times. But uh, so Right, exactly. Yeah, I don't think, I think Ping, you're, you're not influenced at all, as far as I know, anyway. I just want to, you know. No, look, I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, no one wants to upset these people that they're not, to the point they're not going to buy advertisements in your magazine. But at the same time, if you're showing up to a shootout and you know your bike's a turd, you know, what do you mm-hmm. expect? Right. <laughs> right. I mean. Yeah. No, I. And you know, I didn't and, and you know what? Go ahead. Good. Yeah, the manufacturer. When you show, like I said, when you show up to a test, the manufacturers know what they're dealing with. You know, they've tested. Chances are they've rode other bikes too, so they know what they're, they're up against. So when you when you when you look at a Steve Butler and you and you talk to him, you can kind of read his facial expressions. Like, yeah, I kind of already know. He won't say that, mm-hmm. but you can kind of get the drift. You know. Hmm. Yeah, they, each of the manufacturers have one of all the other brands, or or at least the ones they perceive to be good bikes. Because they want to go out themselves and see how does our bike compare to that? What does that one do that ours doesn't? How can we make ours better? They all do that. So mm-hmm. they already know. Um, and, you know, I'll say this, too. You know, we, we get that over and over. That's like some common theme that, oh, you guys just use ex-pros or fast riders, current pros. What about the – I'm a vet novice. How does that – you know, oh, you right. know what I'm going to like. Okay, so we put vet novices, vet intermediates, you know, Pete Martini's done it. We throw guys in. Feedback's the same. Yeah, you're right. This bike doesn't turn that well. Or, you know, oh, <laughs> right. it's slower. It's like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, maybe they wouldn't give you as many details about what it does or, or whatever, but the general impression is still usually the same. Yeah. So, um, after well, enough of that, we just kind of gone with guys that I know will give me good straight feedback, and that's it. Right. Uh, well, you did have Jeff Emig for a couple of years. Yeah, well, that's not to say we haven't had a couple of guys <laughs> right. flopping it a little bit. No, he uh, was not a real good test rider when I realized he was getting bikes from Suzuki. Right. Um, uh, oh, one more to the F. Uh, Husky, uh, Kiefer, you've ridden it, huh? Basically, yeah, KTM? Same thing is, yeah, same yeah. thing as KTM. And another thing I didn't mention about the KTM, too, and the Husky, is um, unlike the Japanese bikes, you get them and you can kind of ride them and, you know, you just – really don't break them in anymore you know not the old school process where you have to ride this and let it cool down you kind of just kind of go ride but with the ktm the husky man they come super tight feeling like in the motor like you rev it and it the, the rpms come down really quick and um breaking in that motor takes at least eight to ten hours and then after about that you feel it free up and it actually gets better you know with the with the japanese bike man one to two hours you're good to go and it you know, yeah. it's the same feeling, but for some reason with that KTM and Husky motor, man, it takes a little bit to break in and free up, and mm. it's super tight coming off the showroom floor. Okay. Um, let's take a commercial break here on the BDOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing, and we'll come back with some 450s, some two-stroke talk, and a little bit more. Don't forget, use the code PULPMX to save yourself money at BTOsports.com. Brand new website, best prices around, international rates are terrific as well. And Fox had the global innovation leader for motocross racewear, continuing the relentless pursuit to innovate and elevate. Check out the MIPS, MIPS 2015 helmet with uh, 2015 products with the all-new V3 helmet with nipples. 
MIPS technology. Areolas. Areolas. Airspace performance goggle 360 racewear. Foxhead.com. Let's take commercial break. Listen to this Racetech commercial. Save yourself money using Pulpamex 14 as a code at Racetech, and we'll be right back. BTOsports.com. RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lee, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Racetech suspension, and they've been around a long time, and their their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people, at least uh, change your oil in your new bike and use Racetech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Thie, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Racetech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. And we're back on the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Um, before we get to 450s, let's talk two strokes a little bit. Uh, Kiefer promised big changes with the Yamaha line of four strokes, and they put new plastic on them. And uh, Kiefer, you created a shitstorm with Yamaha, with Vital MX people. Uh, hope you're happy. But um, basically, the two strokes aren't much different. Or does that plastic make a difference, Chris? <laughs> you know what? I think Pink should take this. I already dug myself a fucking hole. So, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Ping? Well, the introduction for those bikes is uh, middle of September, so the whole world will get to see the outrageous updates to the stroke. Okay, bike. I thought they were already out. All right. No, they're coming. But the pictures are out. They look rad. Uh, there is new plastic. They look like a modern bike again, finally. So That's what I was trying to get at. It looks different. You know, it's been so damn long since we've had a change in the two-stroke, you know, body work that I was excited. Maybe I just was too excited and people didn't really give a shit about the plastic, but I kind of right. did. So, um, Ping, do you still have a two-stroke 125, or did you give that up? Uh, not at the moment, but I'm actually, I've been talking to Yamaha about getting one for a project this Okay, because so. you're you're a two-stroke guy. You're still been you've been beating that drum for a while. Oh, I love them. I love them. I'm a big two-stroke fan. I, I'm trying to decide between a 125 and a 250. What do you think, Keeper? I think for you, a 125 would be sick. You build it up light. You can rip it around, hold it wide open. 250 is actually pretty fast and takes some uh, some energy and some stamina to ride it. You don't think I can hang on to it? Eh, not after about 15, buddy. I think he's calling you a weakling, Ping. I know. I kind of kind of felt like that. It was like a backhand <laughs> to get uh, compliments. These are the two-stroke national talk now. Um, so which two-stroke? KTM has got a little more technology, but Yamaha's a pretty solid bike. Is there a is there a better two-stroke, Ping or Kiefer? Is there a better one than Yamaha and KTM? I think we did this last year too, and I I, it's probably the same answer for me. It's the Yamaha, just because it's, mm-hmm. it vibrates less. Um, I think the KTM's motor is barkier and better off the bottom, but mm-hmm. the YZ is such a solid, 
solid package all the way around just with the suspension and, and the good motor and the stability, and mm-hmm. I think the Yamaha is a better two-stroke for me. And the all-new plastic Kiefer, of course. Yeah, the BNPs. Um, Ping, any, when you talk to the OEM guys, are there any plans for Suzuki, Cowie, Honda to bring back a two-stroke? Do, they, do you ask them? Do they say? You know what? If if there are plans, I haven't heard them. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I think it would be cool if if a couple of them did. But you know, right now I haven't heard anything. Cali, Suzuki, Honda that they are planning on doing that. Mm. Okay. All right. So it's Yamaha and KTM. Yeah, I, don't, I don't. I just don't see it happening with all the, the no. four-star technology coming out, and I don't know. I just don't see it happening. Well, people forget near the end of the two-stroke reign, there wasn't much new coming out going on either. Right. You know, it was pretty stagnant. So, I don't know if we just reached a, a point. You know, I have this theory about rock music, and I think we've maybe reached that point with dirt bikes. I feel like there isn't a whole lot of great rock music out there anymore. Rock bands like, you know, the, some of the greats, and I think it's because, you know, you have a bass and a lead guitar and some drums, and like. There's been so much of it played out that there's not much new anymore. What are you going to do new in rock music? You only have six strings, right? Five strings well, if it's a bass. You can. I mean, two-stroke can go to direct inject and stuff like that. So, you know. Right. I just see that going up to the off-road two-stroke bikes more than the moto bikes, personally. And I think KTM would be the, you know, the mm-hmm. leader in that area. I just don't see Yamaha developing anything further. Oh, I just think we're at a point where we're kind of stuck like rock music you know right. so i don't know it's my own theory are you talking about with two strokes specifically or with uh with either all? one either one you know um the like you said earlier paying the price level has maybe been reached the threshold has been reached what's a bike now nine grand eighty six hundred yeah. something like that um you know maybe we've reached our reached our threshold of price slash improvements on both four-stroke and and, four, and two-strokes. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would say the price is the limiting factor. I mean, I'm surely, with Honda's involvement in F1 and different types of racing, there's there's cool stuff they could do mm-hmm. if you wanted to spend twenty grand for a motorcycle. Yeah. You know what I mean? But to try to keep it at the price it's at now, yeah, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to 450s. Um, Yamaha first. Ping, uh, this bike's come a long way, too. The newer Yamaha 450, like you said earlier, gets a little crazy when you set it up and when it's not set up for you, but it's a much-improved bike. It's uh, it's gained a lot of f- uh, followers the last year or two with their with their changes. You know, I, I feel like Yamaha's definitely making progress on that bike. There's, um, for whatever reason, it's got a couple of little handling gremlins mm-hmm. that they've been slowly trying to work out, and this year they've got you know, a different engine mount bracket that's made of a different material and it's shaped slightly different. And they say that helps, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find that balance. Um, a lot of the complaints are that the back end won't stay planted. And I feel like they'll get the back end figured out. And then all of a sudden the front end gets a little squirrely and then mm-hmm. fix that. Now the back's loose again. So it's just trying to, for them, they've got to figure out whatever it is to get that, that comfortable balance. And, you know, something, Steve Butler said to me um, that they really focused on with this bike a couple of years ago when they went back to, when they went to this design was in motocross, you know, you're not, you're, you're working on so many different planes, you know, the bike's pitching forward and it's coming back 
and you're going, you're leaning left, you're leaning right, you're turning left, you're turning right. You know, the, the bike's in this three-dimensional movement all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a key part of motocross, right, is turning. You're constantly, you know, left, right, forward, backward. You're, you're always moving. So they tried to make this bike, um, you know, centralize all the mass so that it would move really easily. And I almost feel like they've gone so far that direction that it moves too easily. And that's why this bike is a little loose feeling. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something they can rein back in with, with these little changes that they're making. But um, I thought that was, that was an interesting way to look at it. You know, they've tried to create a bike that'll kind of move from the center in all directions really easily. And uh, that could have been what jumped up and bit them. Mm, interesting. What do you think, Kiefer? Yeah, I've not, I haven't been a fan of the, the the Yamaha 450 in the past few years, and uh, I think you know the 14 was a better direction, and I think even the small minor you know changes that they did, like Pink said with the mounts, and they did some rigidity, um, decreased the rigidity in the fork tube, and I think it's getting better. Like I was, I need something that corners really good and and lays in the corner really nice, and the Yamaha was never like that. I think it's better this year. I think uh, entrance and corners is a little bit better. Um, I do feel some of that what Ping says when I'm coming out of a corner. I feel like my rear end's kind of like never wants to go straight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel this year they kind of helped some of that. And I ran about 100 and, 106 millimeters of sag, and that kind of helped the bike kind of track and squat. And it had a little bit of a head shake and a little bit of a wiggle when you when you came in really hard on D-cell, but, mm-hmm. I mean, the chassis itself is pretty balanced, and in the air it feels really flickable, and I think that has something to do with the motor, you know, being um, right. in rear position. And, the, um, the motor's fast, right. right. Oh, yeah, yeah, the motor's great. Like, it's a couple of years ago it was really too touchy to the throttle, like it was too gnarly, but mm-hmm. now they kind of smoothed that off the bottom, and, has a great mid to top end transition and even pulls a little bit farther this year, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the motor is one of the huge benefits. It's, you can, you can come out of an inside line and, and, and jump anything and mm-hmm. you have, never have to worry about horsepower. Just, just a little bit of, uh, it could corner a little bit better for me, but I, I like it. It's getting better. I had a guy who spent a lot of time on Yamaha 450s tell me that the hot trick for him, 115 sag in the back. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Uh, yeah, that's just what he was saying, so I don't know. Um, he must be changing his uh, offset up front. Yeah probably, yeah, probably some sort of offset change, which I think was a standard move for Yamaha on that bike. Um, right. Suzuki, 450. Ping, you like this bike. You've always liked this bike. Yeah, I'm just comfortable on it. Um, like I said, it's one of those bikes that feels like it's made for a smaller guy, so I jump right on and I mean, literally, I just set my levers and I can go. I'm just comfortable on it. The motor's good. Like, it doesn't do anything amazing. Right. But everything is good. Um, little little oversprung. Gosh, you must, I don't know who their target audience is, but <laughs> you aren't even going to get, I couldn't even get the sag numbers right. Like, the spring was rattling around loose on the shot. Oh, really? Oh, jeez. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you must be 180 to get this thing right, is what my guess is, 185 is maybe their target. Huh. Interesting. Um, did you go to the Suzuki intro with with James? Ping? Uh, I went yeah, to the we, second day. Yeah, oh. Kiefer, you went with James? Yeah, I was there at Zaka when he was there. He flew in helicopter baller. And then got on the bike and he shredded and then left? 
Yeah, he shredded a couple, you know, a few times on the stalker and then shredded his, his, his race bike and then just bailed. How do you look on the stock bike? You know what? It's funny you say that because he, he still looks amazing, don't get me wrong, but it's you can tell, like, when you have a stock bike underneath you, you can't do the exact same things right. you can do when you have your race bike, you know? Right, well, especially James and the way he rides, and, and I mean, the guy's an amazing rider. So yeah, and so it's just it kind of it's kind of cool to see him on a on a mortal bike, you know. So it's it fun to watch. Ping, have you ever seen on RaceRx comments or maybe on Vital, which I know you don't go on a whole lot? There's actually people that are like they should make these guys ride stock bikes and supercross to even things out. There's people who say that. There's they're they're dead serious people. They say that. So yeah, well, you know, <laughs> everybody's got a everyone's got a theory. How many broken wrists do you think Astro will be treating? Uh, <laughs> I have something to add on the four fifty two. Like it was on a four fifty. Oh yeah, yeah. A motor. A motor, but not suspension. I mean suspension, though. No. Oh yeah, no, that'd be a bad deal. No, right, <laughs> be a bad deal. Anyways, Kiefer, go ahead. Um, the Suzuki four fifty two, I like it. Also, corners bitching, like we were saying. Um. On that triple, um, the TAC fork, um, I added some pressure actually in the fork because I thought it dropped too low. Um, so in the balance chamber, I think stock was like 174, and I think the inner chamber was the same at 174. And I kind of went up to like a 180 setting on both, and it helped uh, balance the front end and back for me. Mm-hmm. And when I was riding it here during the summertime, it, it felt really rich. I felt like there was a little bit of a dirty um, feeling down low. And I went to the leaner coupler, and the bike just runs day and night better for me when you have that leaner coupler in there. Mm-hmm. And they give that to you when you get the bike. So that's something I would suggest for someone that, you know, get in that bike, try that leaner coupler, see if it kind of helps that, that dirty feeling down low, you know, hmm. kind of get rid of that. Interesting. Um the Honda 450 we haven't ridden. Cowie 450 uh, ping. Uh, I really liked it. again suited in their adjustability. Yeah. Um, they went to a bigger rotor in the front, which you know helped the stopping power, which I liked. Motor's great on that bike. Uh, I guess you could say it for pretty much every 450 though. Um, yeah. yeah, they're all pretty good, right? I, I just didn't have a lot to complain about on the Cowie. Good bike. It's going to be a, a competitive one for the shootout. Yeah, it's funny, like, and maybe, I mean, again, you guys are the experts here, but it feels like, Ping, Cowie doesn't do a lot with bells and whistles, but their bikes are always solid. Or, yeah, yep, I agree. You know, they and, and all of them will go through growing pains at times when they try to change something or if mm-hmm. something doesn't work, but they get it to where it's a good, stable platform, and, yeah. you know, they'll they'll make a little refinements, but, yeah, it's a solid bike. Uh, what do you think, Kiefer? Yeah, I'm, I've never, I've never really. I mean, I, the Cowie's great. The motor's really good. It just feels like a big bike to me, and it's hard for me to maneuver around, especially when you get some tighter tracks. Mm-hmm. So, just feels like a lot of bike. Um, I would like something maybe a little bit more mellow in the motor department, just so mm-hmm. I can ride it. You know, because sometimes when I, you get tired, that bike kind of rides you around. So, mm-hmm. you really got to watch it. You know. Let me ask you guys um, this: We haven't ridden. Sorry, Kiefer, to interrupt you, but. No, go ahead. Um, we have we haven't ridden. You guys haven't ridden the 2015 Honda 450, but it's the Honda is theoretically a smaller bike. Everything Honda has been doing the last three, four, five years has been trying to get the bike the lower center of gravity. Everything's smaller. Everything's packed in there. Everything's narrower. 
Do you notice a difference between the Honda and the other bikes, Pingree? Is Honda's plan working? Well, you know, I, I don't think that these ones trying to make that plan happen. I mean, Yamaha's done the same thing. That's that's their mass centralization is sort of the common theme. It's the same with the Cali. They're all trying to do it. And and the bottom line is they can't make these bikes any lighter because if they take material away from anywhere, you start to lose reliability and that that brings up liability issues. So they're hesitant to do that. They can't make it lighter. So the only thing they can do is try to make it feel lighter. And that's, you know, that's what they're all trying to do. And I think it's, it's good. It's helped, but Mm -hmm. some of it's gimmicky too. The, the dual exhaust thing. I, it's just, I'm not a fan. I think it's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, pink or Kiefer, what about you? Do you feel the Hondas, uh, to me, the Honda feels day and night uh, lighter than the other bikes. Like, the Suzuki corners really well, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really feel heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, the Honda, can you can really pivot off of things really quick. Um, for example, like, if you come into a corner and you you realize at the last minute, oh, it's, oh shit, it's blown out, I need to cut underneath it, you can do that really good on a Honda. You can really mm-hmm. just dive down in, and it has that bite and that feel where you can just do that. I can't do that on a on a Cowie or a Yamaha, you know. So, whatever they're doing, it, it seems to be working. I'm with Ping. I really don't give a shit about a dual muffler, but right. Um, you know, the Honda was always just a better feeling bike, you know, as far as just cornering and maneuverability. Okay. Well, and the bottom line is the Honda is lighter for for well, yes, I was gonna well, say. However, right. they've done it. It's a lighter bike. Yeah. So. Right. And you notice it, right? Yeah. Yes. Um. KTM 450. Uh, what do you think, Kiefer? Ping, you haven't ridden one yet, but uh, Kiefer has. Mom will get well, a few Ping here pretty soon. Man, like uh, like last year, they came a little bit, you know, with that factory edition. They put all that the factory edition changes to the mm-hmm. to the new 15 model, and and it's a better direction. Um, stability wise, to me, is a day and night difference. Um, I feel a lot better coming down hills with chop and braking bumps. Um, I still get a harsh feeling in the fork. I, like I said, at the 250, I'm still not a fan of that of 4CS fork. It's right. not a lot of comfort in the midstroke. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, another motor that's probably as good as the Yamaha, maybe if not better, that, that KTM, man, it, it has so much power, and it's so usable. You can really ride that thing in third gear everywhere around the track, not have to worry about downshifting and, It'll pull you, you know, pull you around the track great. And the brakes are probably the the best brakes on the market with that Brembo stuff and hydraulic clutch. And it looks even more rad to me with the orange frame. Yeah. As far as just the stock bike, you know, coming off the showroom floor, I think that's the best looking bike there is. How, where do you guys stand on aluminum versus steel frames? Ping? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's so the, the KTM's are so different all the way around. It's really? hard to say. Well, it's yeah. the it's the frame that's different from aluminum. Mm-hmm. That's why it's different. I mean, it, it's hard to pinpoint that. So, okay. There's things the KTM does that I like. There's things that it does I really don't like. So I could either blame the frame for the things I like or blame it for the stuff I don't like. What would you rather have me do right now? Funny how uh, <laughs> as far as KTM has come, Ping, they're still a little different. Or Kiefer, do you think Ping's crazy? Is he off his rocker? 
No, I, he is right. The thing, it's hard to pinpoint, too. Like, I, what I do notice the KTM does really good, and I don't know if it's the frame or, or the suspension, because you can go to either one of those, but when the track is gets drier and a little bit hard-packed and it gets a little bit skatey, when you have these sweepers and you're kind of standing up and you're hitting these edges of these chugs, it just seems like the KTM is more compliant in that area. Um, and that leads me to believe it's the frame because I'm not a big fan of the fork, but yet in those areas when you're kind of drifting and you're standing up and it's kind of like two-wheel drift and you're just clipping those edges of those braking bumps, I just feel like I have more compliancy and more comfort in those areas with the KTM. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Kiefer, do you notice, uh, you know, I, I feel like anytime we do shootouts and I'm, I'm talking to a test rider who is not, ridden the KTM much or at all, I have to kind of prep them and go, look, give that bike some time. Don't just ride five laps and come in and go, yeah, that bike's not for me. Right. You know, set, work with the guys, get the sag right. If there's something you don't like, come in and try to adjust it and give yourself several sessions on it because I can jump any Japanese bike around and be really comfortable right away. They all have a, just a similar feel. But you get on a KTM and it's just different. Something is just different about the way it feels. And you can you can get comfortable with it. It just takes a little bit. Do you find that with your guys too? Because I, literally I have to sit down and give everyone a little dissertation. Like, listen, okay, if you're in, you know, okay, so on that bike, sit, give it some time, please. Yeah, I agree with you because um, it does feel different. And I can never pinpoint why, but it's it's gotten better over the years. It used to feel way, way off to me, but now it's closer in direction. But what I try to do is, um, it's funny you say that, because the test riders that get on early in the morning, the track's moving, they're like, oh, my God, it's unreal. And I said, well, make sure you come back to it when the track's drier and rougher, and then their opinions totally change. So and that's when I really want to work with that bike, because you can make it work, but let's say it'll take you a day to, to, to get a Japanese bike to to feel good to you. It might take two to three days to get a KTM to where you feel it like it's, okay, I, I can get along with it. And KTM has come a long way as far as comfort also, too, because when I was testing for KTM, we had a good setting, and we'd go to Glen Helen, okay, we got a good setting dialed, and we'd go to a different track, and it was complete shit. Like, I was like, this is a different bike. They're like, no, it's the same stuff. I'm like, this completely feels like shit. Now, in 2014 and 15, they kind of went direction where you can go to Glen Helen, you can go to a milestone, you can kind of go to different places in it, and it feels similar. It's not such a drastic change, but it takes a little bit more time to set up. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And you both were factory KTM riders, key for you in Canada, ping you down here. Yeah, and actually, I got good parts here, too, because I was test riding for uh, KTM, and then, uh, yeah. you know. Hence the inside lines and second gear triples. Right. Then Ping went ahead and wrote a column about people in Europe, and now KTM doesn't like him. KTM didn't like him anymore. <laughs> oh, brother. You tell the truth, and all of a sudden you're a terrorist. Hey, uh, Ping, um, are there magazines, and you don't need to name them, magazines or websites where you read the tests of bikes and you go, what's this person thinking? Are they high? <laughs> yeah, once in a while. You know, there'll be an opinionated person who's just got his heels dug in about something, and that's what he believes, and that's yeah, it. and doesn't matter. Yeah, um, and you usually see him hanging out with that manufacturer's representative a lot. Right. 
and adding a few mm. to the wrist rocket all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny okay, you say that because I just put that in one of my articles. I said, uh, instead of trying this, you know, one tooth up, try this. <laughs> when I when I was a mechanic, I would, I mean, honestly, I would go two teeth on a 450 four-stroke. I'm like, we're not, let's just go two to see if we're in the right direction here, you know? Right. One tooth yeah. on a 450 four-stroke, it's hard to tell, you know? Yeah, but, it's like going, it's going, what is it, Nick Way, two clicks? Two clicks, two clicks. Nick yeah. Way's two, forever, eternally two clicks away from winning. Two clicks. So, Ping, next time you're with the manufacturer this year, just say, hey, can I get the Nick Way? And they know exactly what you're talking about, dude. Yeah. Two clicks. Um, okay, before we wrap it up here, uh, I guess you guys don't want to give me your winners, so we won't we won't go there. You have to pay attention to DirtRider.com and RacerXOnline.com or pick up the magazines and uh, and see which one wins the uh, the ever-elusive shootout. Pingree, uh, what's, what's the best test rider you've ever seen or worked with? Is there a guy that stands out? Um... Well, there's different guys. You know, I think the the, the best test rider I ever worked with was Townley. Mm-hmm. And he was very, very, very particular about how he wanted his stuff. And and I got told that ahead of time. Mitch and Bones were like, look, he's going to drive you nuts. Yeah. Um, he's got like, you know, he, he just everything has to be just so. Mm-hmm. But you make him happy and he'll he'll produce results for you, you know, and they were right. Yeah. He got into where he was as happy as we could get him on that motorcycle. I mean, we tried absolutely everything and tested mm-hmm. every combination of everything you could. And, um, shoot, the guy didn't won some nationals that summer. So, right. um, he was really good. Another guy that I didn't work with, but raced with was, uh, Tedesco. You know, I, I hear over and over just what a great test rider he is. And mm-hmm. sounds like, um, that's exactly why RCH is keeping him around. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Kiefer? Uh, for me, I would say it's Dubok. Uh, when I first started, you know, test riding, I was uh, under Ed Scheidler at Yamaha, and, and Doug was there, and I just was kind of like a sponge, and I really listened to Doug and how he how he evaluated and and what he felt, and he's just a smart guy, and he can feel a whole lot of shit on a bike, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I looked up to him, you know, and he's just a great guy and and uh, a great test rider. He can make a, a bike work really well, obviously, especially a Yamaha. And uh, I would say him and Rich Taylor are probably the two smartest production, you know, test riders that I've ever been around. So Yeah, RT's got his stuff down, too. Yeah. Yeah. He's scary to talk to sometimes. Right. Um. All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks for doing the uh, 2015 New bike roundup. Uh, we've I think this is the third year in a row we've done this. So always good to for people who are wondering what's going on. And and again, Ping, um, like you say in your shootouts, if you can get a good price on a bike, if there's a real dealer that you really like, buy you. Uh, you can't go wrong. That in in you know there's a lot of other things other than this the best bike. Yeah, I, I always push people. To, I say, look, go to the dealer that'll support you the best. Mm-hmm. You know, with service, with a good deal on parts, with whatever, because that's more important than picking a color. They're, they're all really good bikes this day and age. So, and and I mean, it's 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 a cliche, but it is true. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. But uh, no, thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, Ping, for doing this, and Kiefer, uh, DirtRider.com, 
and Dirt Rider Magazine, Chris Kiefer, uh, thanks you, thank you for coming on and taking some time to do this, and hopefully we're educating some people along the way. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thank you. You bet. All right, see ya. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pit and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over five hundred more great motocross podcasts. <laughs>